Hello, and welcome to the Cinema Sit Down powered by Groovy. My name is Dom, and I'm a key account and business development manager here at Groovy's branch in Perth, Australia. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Alex Moyer, who is the head of marketing for Palace Cinemas here in Australia. For those unfamiliar, Palace is Australia's leading independent cinema group, operating over 20 locations Australia-wide, with each site fully licensed and offering a boutique premium cinema-going experience. It also runs international film festivals all year round, bringing the best of contemporary and classic cinema from Italy, France and Britain, to name a few, to Australian shores. So as the head of marketing, Alex oversees the overall marketing and branding strategies for the cinema, and he has taken time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule to join me on this podcast for this episode. Alex, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Dom. So, Alex, I want to start right off the bat. I know Groovy has been working uh, with yourself and Palace uh, for a few years now, helping to run uh, the cinema's digital marketing all across Australia. And through this relationship, we have seen firsthand how Palace has been supporting the theatrical experience here locally. Uh, but I wanted to know, in your opinion, what is it about Palace that specifically distinguishes it from other cinemas? Um, I guess it's, uh, I mean, it's not just any one thing um, that distinguishes us in the sense of, you know, really the main distinguishing feature we have is we are a circuit of, you know, um, 17 cinemas plus even more um, with our joint venture partners, but uh, every single cinema, that there aren't any two that are the same. Um, each one has its own unique identity. Each one has its own unique um, programming ethos. Each one has its own unique audience. Um, and that's the, the real driving force behind what makes Palace successful, um, along with, you know, us being able to offer a, a more diverse selection of films, particularly the foreign language and international film festivals that certainly are bread and butter and are, are a key point of difference, um, but really is that, that kind of bespoke um, philosophy we have for every venue. Like every venue has a different design ethos and every venue we really try to listen um, to the audience and let the audience define who we are and not vice versa. Do you find like, obviously the last few years have been quite challenging for cinemas overall, of course, for obvious reasons that we probably don't necessarily have to go into because I'm sure everyone knows. Yeah, what like, happened again? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure either. I think it just completely washed over me. But <laughs> what has been, I guess, a big challenge for you in the last maybe year or so since that? Uh... I mean, the biggest challenge has definitely been the disrupt um, in, in in films coming down the pipeline. Um, you know, the, the the release calendar being you know so volatile, um, and I guess that was the hardest thing for us to maintain is this uh, this idea of the longevity of um, cinema or even the sustainability of cinema. It's like we can see firsthand what happens when we get a great release. And you know we can we can feel that that tangibility around you know audiences are responding to this. It's cinema that's driving its awareness, etc. But then when it falls off and there's nothing on the release calendar for several months, it, it gets very back into that that kind of narrative of oh you know cinema is dead, etc. And it's like well, it's not. It's just that the pipeline has been disrupted. Mm. And do you find that obviously when you have a bit of a disruptive pipeline, as you said, that your marketing efforts change a little bit like have you noticed any change of how you've tried to market uh content perhaps more strategically because of these disruptions or any new avenues you've potentially explored to i guess make up for those disruptions i don't think we've done anything differently um uh to make up for those disruptions because i think palace was in a, a very um good situation in the sense that we had a more diverse range of films to show 
that wasn't necessarily being disrupted. And that was for us giving us the benchmark of, oh, you know, there's still an audience here. They just needed um, the right film. Um, and the main, the main um, example of that is our film festivals. Like every year since the pandemic, our film festivals have still been incredibly strong. And um, even uh, more recently, in the last few years, um, our film festivals have been be beating um, pre-pandemic um, levels. And that's that's the real thing we've sort of leaned into is, okay, we've still got all of this these great films that are our point of difference and were our point of difference before the pandemic, um, but now we can lean into them more and rely on them more. And you mentioned that, like, obviously you're tracking the performance um, of these festivals, of these films before and after. So I'm curious, how important is data to your overall marketing strategy? I would say it's it's important to validate uh, marketing strategy, but I sort of um, shy away from data leading our marketing strategy in the sense of, you know, if data was leading all of the strategies, you know, for both producers, um, studios and exhibitors, they'd be making hits 100% of the time um, and we'd be making money on every single film. Um, that's, that's not the case. Everyone is still making kind of has to make um, uh, gut assumptions and they have to make, you know, creative um, decisions. But I think, you know, data is really helpful um, in validating when we get them right, when we get them wrong, um, you know, what things we should be leaning into more um, but I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily the philosophy that data should be leading. I think it should be validating um, and revealing, but uh, yeah, I don't think it should lead. So I guess on the, on the same token, I'm curious about um, how much focus there is on your loyalty club and also like, you know, obviously you have the Palace Movie Club and, you know, you deal with, I guess, first party data in that sense, but you actually know the individuals, know the taste and preference. Is that something that's a key focus for you in your marketing efforts? Yeah, and I would say it is the key focus, like our movie club is our primary promotional channel. Um, it is the thing that helps us um, speak to audiences and segment those audiences. I mean, like I was saying before, um, you know, Palace's strongest point of difference and um, strongest, well, its main strength in its brand identity is it has um, a very unique identity for every single site but that's incredibly challenging from a marketing point of view. There's no kind of um, umbrella brand, so to speak. There is an umbrella brand, but it's very hard to fit all of these different kind of audience profiles under it. Um, and so with our loyalty, that does make it much easier to segment those audiences and market the most appropriate film to, um, well, basically right product for the right audience. Yeah. Do you do you have any ability of tracking returning customers through, um, you know, your movie club and the EDM database you have? Is that something that you actually utilize on your end? Yeah, we do, uh, particularly through um, a movie club. We do track um, returning customers, etc. Um, how many unique customers we have, what percentage of um, admissions they make up in the market. Um, but uh, yeah, we do look at that stuff. But again, it really is driven by product. So we more so focus on product more than anything else, as in the films. I don't really like referring to it as product, I like referring it, you know, as films. But, you know, if we don't have a good film, we're not going to have um, any meaningful business. Speaking of film and not product, how yeah. closely do you actually work with film distributors? And has that relationship, have you noticed it to have changed over the years or has it been largely the same? 
Well, I mean, I became head of marketing uh, in December 2019. And so then it it got real fucked after that. Um, <laughs> put it bluntly. Uh, yeah, so we, basically I had two good months and then it went to shit. Um, so in terms of my context um, pre-pandemic, I can't say whether it has changed or hasn't changed, um, but we work incredibly close with our film distribution partners um, and, uh, you know, that our, film our film distribution partners have been, um, you know, the, the, the main thing that's been able to help us grow the brand, um, grow our audience profiles into in different segments. Um, and they're, they're, you know, they're really kind of flexible um, and bespoke when it comes to understanding, you know, when it's the right film for Palace and um, when they can help us push it. And where do you see Palace 10 years from now? Like, is there an overarching goal, I guess, to get it to a certain point? Or is it more just seeing things one year at a time? Uh, I can't really comment uh, on um, where I see the brand in, in 10 years, other than, you know, we are we have kept growing since the pandemic. We've opened up three new cinemas, I think. Uh, we opened up Pentridge. Um, we took over another site, um, Ballina in um, rural New South Wales, um, and we're about to open um, Penny Lane in Mooney Ponds. And so, you know, we have been continuing to grow, but I think for us, the, the main the main thing we're really looking to do is kind of maintain what um, Antonio Zeckel has started with this company is, is bringing in, you know, great art house films, bringing in great foreign language films and showcasing a diverse slate of films um, to a, a diverse audience. I guess on that ethos, on a bit of a lighter note, what sort of films are you into? Are you a film festival guy? Are you a big blockbuster Marvel type guy? Or what, what are you interested in? Uh, I'm one of those guys that watched everything. Um, like I, my, my formative cinema going years were in Sydney. So I would go to the art houses. I would go to the multiplexes. Um, I would be at the cinema maybe twice a week, three times a week. Um, generally saw everything. Um, both in cinema, both in TV, um, music, etc. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, most of my top five films probably skew art house, um, but I love my spectacle films. And uh, I think that's a, 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 something that can be said of um, the palace audience to an extent is it, 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 sometimes you can sort of say, well, this person only sees art house films, but I just don't necessarily think that's true. I think most people that are art house film lovers they do love quality mainstream. I mean, particularly the likes of, say, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Um, those, those, both of those films were incredibly layered, um, and you know, Palace really performed on both of those titles um, because we do have uh, quite a refined, mature, sophisticated audience, um, and they were quite sophisticated films at the end of the day. And obviously, you said you've worked for Palace for about four years, if I'm not. Uh, mistaken. I've worked. I've worked for Palace for uh, nearly ten years now, but I started all the way down as a you know usher. I was sweeping up popcorn and everything. I can imagine, like throughout all those years working at Palace, you've probably worked on some pretty cool activations. Like, is there one that really sticks out to you as like one of the most memorable ones you've been involved in? Uh, yeah, I would say my favorite. Um, experience was opening up Pentridge. Um, so Pentridge Cinema, it's located in the old Pentridge prison in Melbourne. 
um, but we opened that in December 2020. So it was after first wave COVID, uh, we were still mapping out the opening during lockdown. We were trying to figure out when we could open it, like when the lockdown would finish. And somehow we managed to, um, thanks to um, Roadshow Films, we managed to get the Australian premiere of The Dry um, with Eric Banner. Um, Eric Banner, of course, is you know famous for Chopper. Um, Chopper was based at Pentrick Prison. Um, and yeah, we kind of, that, that whole experience um, was an absolute nightmare at the time in terms of dealing with a lockdown, but that night was one of the best nights of my career. Um, just seeing an audience back together after all the lockdowns in a cinema. Um, it was a great film. It was a great star. It was a great director with Robert Connolly. And Robert Connolly actually went out of his way to introduce, we had 15 cinema screens. They were all filled. Well, I think we could only fill them to 60% capacity because of the um, COVID laws, uh, but Robert and I went around every single screen and he introduced um, the film to every single audience member and that was really special. I mean, that just sounds like an amazing night. Now I'm just jealous that I didn't get a go. So if there's another event like that, just please let me know so that I can fly over. Cause, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it's been great to chat, Alex. I mean, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, obviously we look forward to continuing our work. So obviously we'll still be chatting a lot more in the future. Thanks so much, John. So that's all for us this week. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on The Cinema Sit Down.